The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 20th chapter. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. Lord. Jesus said to the disciples, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I will pay you what is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now, when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, these last worked only one hour, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to the last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, you, O Christ. Christ. The assembly may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. My first summer job was as a clerk at the Butera Supermarket on the corner of Gunnison and Nagel, just outside of Harwood Heights. I was very excited. It was my first job. I must have been, I think, a sophomore in high school. I was going to earn a little bit of money over the summer. Then I started working, and then I realized I really wanted the summer to end now. I've done, had enough of work. And I think my breaking point, I can pinpoint the moment I realized that was not going to be my career. I was in the back doing something and I heard over the announcer, Zach, we need you at the front end. All right, fine, that's cool. So I, I get up there and as I'm walking up, I see a couple people standing there just staring at the floor and I think, oh, this ain't good. And as I get closer, I realize that one of our lovely customers had at some point in recent history dropped a family-sized container of laundry detergent right there in the middle of the floor where every customer checking out has to walk. And they said, Zach, we need you to clean it up. Then they pointed to a mop and bucket. Let me say that again a family-sized thing of laundry detergent, and they said, clean it up with a mop and a bucket full of water. Any guess how long that took? <laughs> it was the cleanest bucket you ever seen. That floor you could have eaten off of it. It took me over an hour, at which point, the front-end manager comes up and looks at me and goes, oh yeah, we usually use kitty litter when that happens. <laughs> really? That was the end of my career at Butera Supermarket and C, right? But I look back and I think to myself, you know, it's important. Work is a reality of life. And I've had a lot of different jobs in my career. 
I did chaplaincy at Lutheran General. I, I loved it. I, I worked in supermarkets and, and at Kohl's. Okay, retail is what it is. Um, I, I umpired during college. I loved umpiring. I got to be on the ball fields all summer. And, and now I got this gig. And that reminds me of that saying, right? If you love what you do, you'll never work another day in your life. Well, friends, I did the math. I haven't worked in six years, three months, and 20 days, but who's keeping track at this point, right? I love what I do, but the truth of it is, I still gotta make a living. I got a family to feed, right? And so it's hard because as much as we like to romanticize work, it's a reality of life. It is, and, and I'm gonna say, I've been blessed in this life that I have been able to find a career path, that I find work that I actually like to do and then I'm paid to do it, thank you, by the way. And it's one of those weird things. Today, we have this parable that's all about work. It's, a, it's about a vineyard owner who's hiring people and paying them for the work they do. And this vineyard owner is like a one-man HR department. Not once, not twice, but five times in the course of one day, he goes out to the marketplace and hires people to work the vineyard. Not one mention of W-2s, not one mention of background checks. It's really a nightmare for me administratively, but he makes it work. And he keeps welcoming these people in, and the first group agrees to the daily wage, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. By the time he gets to the last group, he goes to them, and the interview process goes like this. Why are you standing here? No one else will hire us. Good enough for me, get to work. That's it. No negotiation, no talk about compensation. Just go get to work. And they do. Shortly thereafter, the work day ends. Now, everyone's favorite part of the day, that big, fat, juicy check just waiting to be cashed, right? Ooh, we can't wait. The vineyard owner sends his guy and says, here's what I want you. I want you to pay the people who showed up at 5 o'clock, pay them first. Enough. They come and they get their pay, and much to their surprise, they get a full day's wage for maybe a handful of hours of work. And minds start to race. People who got there at 9 a.m. and were under the hot sun all day begin to put a narrative together. And it's to be expected. They have expectations, right? And their expectations are, are pretty, pretty clear. Their assumptions are based upon their understanding of fairness. But you know that old adage about assuming, right? You assume. You want me to say it, don't you? This is recorded, I can't. But <laughs> assumptions, assumptions are planned resentments. That's what I was going to say. I don't know where your minds were. Assumptions are planned resentments. They received exactly what it is that they agreed to. But because of these assumptions, it planted a seed that if they received something different, they would have a reason to be outraged. And outraged they are, but what's more troubling is their outrage is actually not about what they received, because again, they received what they agreed to, but their anger and their outrage is actually directed at the other laborers. They're angry at those that were working shoulder to shoulder with them just minutes earlier. And they cry out and they say, these last who worked have only worked one hour. And you've given to them equal to us who've borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. 
You have to flourish, right? You have to really sell it here. We've been laboring in the hot sun and you pay them the same. In other words, they're upset not at their own wages. They're upset because someone else was given equal pay. No longer are they worried about their own self-sustenance. No longer are they worried about earning their daily bread, but instead, this has bred resentment, contempt, and conflict. Now, their assumptions have created conflict between them and the other workers, at which point the vineyard worker says something quite poignant. Are you angry at me because of what I choose to do with what I have? Are you angry at me because of my generosity? Because the vineyard, God chooses generosity over competition, equality over envy. Now I say all this, but I say this knowing I don't like this parable. Just don't. It makes me really uncomfortable. Because that's not how the world works. Because I know who I am in this parable. I'm the grumbling workers, right? I'm the one quitting Butera the next day if this happens to me, right? And that's hard because a lot of times when Jesus tells parables, we put ourselves into the shoes of the characters and we want to put ourselves into the shoes of the, we think the right characters are. The truth is, I know who I am here. I know that my sense of, of fairness kicks in. I feel bad and I feel bad about myself. And then I have to step back and say, how unfair is this? Then that brings me back to reality where I realize, well, the world we live in, the way we treat labor in this world is pretty unfair, too. Let's be clear, right? We live in a country where slave labor was acceptable, right? And for generations. And we still haven't quite figured out what to do with that reality or that history or how to, how to confront it fully. Right? We, we live in a, in a society here where there's inequality and, and prejudice everywhere you look in the workforce. We assume that everybody who works is being paid living wages enough to make it through to have their daily bread, but we know that's not always the case. Employers don't always even pay enough for someone working full-time to be able to live off of their own work. Right? We, we live in a society where we assume that if you get paid more, it must be because you work harder. Or, or if you earn higher wages, it's because you clearly are more talented or have more gifts to offer. But we know that's not true either. Point, poignant moment this past week. It was driving the kids to school. Yes, I know. We live four blocks from our and I drove them to school. It's an early morning, and I'm not ready to walk. But paid off with a good sermon illustration. I was listening to NPR, and in my three minutes in the car, I heard this story. And it was really fascinating. It was a story about the service industry in our country, this ongoing research that had been done about trying to understand how we as a culture and a society handle tipping. Now, this is not a sermon about tipping 20%, but if you could make sure our musicians get their, you know, that's good, take care of them. But the point is, is they were asking the question of how and why do we tip? And they came to reality. After all this research, they found that tipping, generally speaking, was not in any way corollary to the service received. But more often than not, it was based on the server themselves. Let me spell that out. Based on their race, 
and their gender in particular. Across the board, they found this to be true, that, that there were times where white men provided worse service and were still tipped higher than black women. On average, they found $2.74 an hour separated those two demographics along for the same quality of service. That, my friends, that is unfair. But you see, this is a tricky parable because we see ourselves in it. We know we live in an unjust reality. We understand that that's the way things are. And this parable at the same time seeks to hold in delicate balance justice and grace and equality, all the characteristics that we ascribe to God. And the challenge for us is we have certain assumptions about how these things should really work. God has different realities, sees these things in a different light, sees justice and grace and equality from a different perspective. So maybe it's about time we adjust our perspective. Maybe it's time we adjust our baseline assumptions. Maybe we should start with the basic assumption that all people are made in God's divine image and that God deeply loves and cares for all of creation. This love is embedded in who God is and profoundly defines our relationship with that same God. Then we should assume that from that point, God's generosity is above and beyond anything we can imagine. And moreover, it's safe to assume that that abundant, unimaginable generosity nothing we can earn, it's nothing we even deserve, but instead it's a gift meant for all people. Why? Because all people are profoundly loved by the God in whose image all people are made in. And I think if we shifted our viewpoint, sure we could still be scandalized by this, but I think we'd have a better appreciation of what it's saying. It would invite us to see that, yeah, grace isn't always fair. How many of you have ever heard that in your life? Life isn't always fair. Grace especially isn't. Look at this parable. At the same time, that's the good news. None of us deserve it. None of us earn it. And yet everyone gets it. How can we be angry at God for being so generous to all people? So maybe as workers in this divine vineyard, Let's use the, the parable one more time. As workers in this divine vineyard, maybe our work is to embrace this grace in our daily lives. To not always get so caught up in what we assume is fair and unfair, but instead reveal God's generosity and grace at all times. Knowing that, yeah, sometimes it's going to be unfair, but it's for the sake of equity. It's for the sake of all people to know God's love. God's grace, God's mercy. So thanks be to God for challenging us, for being so unfair in generosity. Amen.